Hey, welcome to another version of the Pastor Duke podcast. Thank you for tuning me in. I believe I have a giant blessing for you. Again, thanks for listening and helping me get the gospel to the ends of the earth. Our thoughts today are this. Our problems, when in God's hands, become opportunities. Let me say that again. Our problems. You got any problems? Uh, Yeah, we all do. When our problems get into God's hands, they become opportunities. Let me show you how it happened in the Old Testament. Let me show you how it happens in the New Testament. Let me show you how it happens in my life and in your life. Here we go. Moses uh, (laughs) is an amazing guy. He has a vision. He has that miracle birth situation. Mama floated him out on the river, found by Pharaoh's daughter, no coinky dinky. She rescues him. She adopts him. She calls Moses' biological mother to nurse him and halfway raise him. Moses knew he was special. He had the uh, evidence of God upon him from his youth. The nation knew that. His family knew that. I think even Pharaoh's daughter kind of knew that. He has a vision. I'll be the deliverer of my people. And so at age 40, he gives it everything he's got. He kind of steps out. He slays the Egyptian who was uh, roughing up an Israeli slave, a Jewish slave, and uh, he killed the guy, and uh, was the right thing to do. But he was presenting himself to the nations, like you guys know my story. I'm the deliverer. I got the contacts. I'm on the inside of the palace. And he steps out on it, and he gives everything he's got, and he miserably fails. His vision dies. <laughs> Not fun, but it's just kind of a pattern that you'll see throughout Scripture, and you'll see it throughout your life. I could do. I could do a whole podcast, probably will someday, on the death of a vision. It's a real time of trial. Pharaoh finds out that he had killed the Egyptian, turns on Moses, forces him to flee for his life. Now for the next 40 years, he's on the backside of the Midian Desert. Uh, Little does he know what God has up his sleeve. He still will be the deliverer, but it won't be in his time, and God won't need his uh, political connections, his financial resources, his uh, availability to the Egyptian media. God doesn't need any of that. So now he's 80 years old and, man, just wondering the last 40 years what happened. I tried. I failed. I had this supernatural birth story. What's I thought I was the deliverer, and he just kind of seems to die to all that. He's an aged man. He's 80 years old now. Sees up on Mount Sinai a burning bush, and, oh, my goodness, he goes on up, and it's a a presentation of God to himself. Uh, lights come on. Take off your shoes, Moses. The ground you stand upon is holy ground. I got a job for you to do. We're going to have a supernatural resurrection of the vision. But Moses has a problem. God says, I'm going to use you to lead my people out of slavery. (laughs) Moses has a problem with that. Uh, Excuse me, you're talking about the world's greatest military power, and I'm like a shepherd, and uh, I have no resources, and this absolutely makes no sense. But don't tell God 
ever what God can't do. Moses, and God says to Moses, what's that in your hand? Moses says, uh, it's a staff. God says, throw it down. He threw it down. It became a serpent, no doubt a cobra. God says, pick it up by the tail. That's interesting. I think there's a message in that. I, first of all, I wouldn't want to pick up a serpent of any kind, especially a cobra. And if I had to, I'd want to pick it up just behind the head so it couldn't bite me. But God didn't say do it that way. God said, pick it up by the tail. And if you do that, the cobra without divine intervention will <laughs> bite you and you'll be dead in minutes. But Moses realized this bush is burning. This is God. This is supernatural. And he obeyed. He picked it up by the tail. That's total commitment, my friends. That's what God's asking of us. Halfway is the wrong way. Total commitment. Surrender to Jesus is the greatest thing we can do. I remember surrendering little by little. I surrendered uh, my Sunday mornings, my Sunday nights, my Wednesday nights to be in church. I surrendered my Saturday mornings to be on bus visitation. I surrendered my music. I surrendered all alcohol, drugs, and everything that was ruining in my life. I surrendered them all to Jesus. And it's the greatest thing you'll ever do is to surrender everything to Jesus, which Moses did. He surrendered to God. He grabs that serpent by the tail immediately comes back to a staff. God said, put your hand inside your, your mantle. That would be our overcoat. He puts it in, he pulls it out. It's a leprosy. Ah, he's going to, and put it back in and it came out cleansed. And, uh, that was miracle. Number two, pour the water on the ground. It became blood. God equipped Moses with signs, miracles, and wonders. He was with Moses with the evidence of the supernatural on his life. And Moses now is ready. All he's got is his staff. But when, when you have the staff of God, the power of God, the direction of God in your life, where he guides, he will provide. Moses surrendered that, heads back to Egypt. He was right. Nobody would believe him that he was the guy. Uh, but when he did the miracles, then the Jewish people rallied and said, oh, my goodness, it's true. God said we'd be here for 400 years. Uh, by the uh, Abraham had written that down that you'll be strangers in a strange land for 400 years, and those 400 years are up. And here's Moses, man. 80 years ago, we had that story. We had our hopes high. Uh, they failed at age 40 and 80, and now he's 80. He's back, and look at this miracle. Oh my goodness, God has visited his people. The people saw the evidence of God on Moses, and they followed him. That's a biblical principle you're going to see all the way through the Old Testament, all the way through the New Testament, all the way through the church age. And when we begin to understand how God works and we make the same surrender that Moses made, the supernatural evidence of God will begin to shine on our lives. That's how God carries out the gospel. Here's another Old Testament example Abraham's getting old, has one child, a great and mighty nation, supposed to rise up through this child, Isaac. Isaac's 40 years old, never had a date. Oh, Houston, we have a problem. Abraham summons his servants, says, I want you to go to this area. I want you to look for this family, and there will be a daughter there, and uh, she'll be the uh, wife of uh, Isaac and the servants writing this all down, all these details, which way to go, what town to look for. So he, he goes, he obeys his master. He's heading to that area, many days journey. 
and he just happens to land upon a certain well, and it just happens that a beautiful young lady named Rebecca shows up, and he inquires of her uh, whose family she is, and she tells him the family. <laughs> and oh my goodness, he has one of those God moments. It just he, he's overwhelmed, and then he tells her his story about Abraham. Uh, he's very rich. He has a son, Isaac. Mom is dead now. He's looking for a, a wife. And Rebecca gets pretty excited about this and takes him home. The servant explains everything to uh, her uh, to her family. And they, they make this statement. This is an, I'm paraphrasing this a bit, if you can probably figure out. They say to him, of course we'll send her. She says, of course I'll surrender to this. This is clearly the hand of God. It was the providential hand of God. When they heard that story, what are the odds that he'd find that family? What are the odds that he'd find that well? What are the odds he'd do it at the exact right time that she would be there? And they just had that overwhelming sense of destiny. God wasn't doing it through a burning bush like he did for Moses, but it was clear God was doing it through providence. She surrendered to that uh, invitation, became Isaac's wife, begat uh, the twins, Jacob and Esau. Jacob became the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. God was working in her life, and it was all through providence. She did not see the kind of miracles that um, Moses saw, but it was clearly God guiding. And her family had the buy-in when they saw the providential hand of God upon that servant, Abraham's servant. And there was buy-in, and God continued this amazing story to build a nation. We switch forward to the New Testament. Jesus had uh, done his thing. Oh, my goodness. Oh, what a ministry he had. Fast and furious, and uh, tied to public opinion. Turns against them as in was the will of God. He, was, he suffered, he bled, he died, he rose again. He ministers to the apostles, and he says to them as he's ready to ascend into heaven, these signs shall follow uh, those who believe in me. And, you know, all during the ministry of Jesus, he did signs, miracles, and wonders. He, um, uh, I, I can't walk on water. Um, I, I can't turn uh, water into wine. But Jesus did turn my wine into water. For those that knew me back in the day, they, they never dreamed I would be alcohol and drug and tobacco free. Oh my goodness, that was about 90% of my nutrition in those days. But he does miracles in people's lives. So he said, these signs shall follow them which believe in my name. And the apostles won the favor of the people as they healed uh maybe not as many sick people as Jesus did, but right away uh, in the gate called Beautiful in the temple, soon after the resurrection of Jesus, Peter and John healed that guy. It was a noted miracle. And that happened all through the New Testament era as the apostles went everywhere. They authenticated the message with signs, miracles, and wonders, usually with healing. And then, of course, Peter supernaturally gets out of jail. Paul supernaturally gets out of jail. Amazing things happen, and people were watching. And even though these uh, uh, apostles were not having burning bushes on a regular basis, God was doing miracles in a different way, mostly providential and sometimes supernatural by the way of healing, always 
for the same reason, to authenticate the message. Anybody could come and say anything, and it means nothing, but when you, you preach a sermon and then you heal the sick person in front of the multitudes, the multitudes are convinced, just like Moses was convinced when he saw the burning bush, just like Rebecca's family was convinced when they heard the providential story. Um, the early church, the early converts saw the miracles that the apostles were doing. It authenticated the message. They connected the Old Testament with the New Testament, and voila, they understand the gospel. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. And the power of the gospel miraculously goes forward, sometimes divine miracles, most of the time providential miracles. And so we see that pattern in the New Testament when the New Testament apostles all die out, the word of God is complete. And those signs, miracles, and wonder gifts that were in the early church, they're no longer found in the history of the church from like the second century on. But we have the written word of God. And I think if in 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about we know in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then the, the sign gifts will, will fade away. And that's what happened in church history. But now we have a supernatural God calling natural men like me and all others throughout the church age to carry out his gospel. And that's when it kind of gets um, into my camp. The same principles, uh, I, I have to see the hand of God moving in my life just to deepen my faith. And then, of course, people are watching I like to call this, uh, for my ministry, my debt to my flock, the evidence of the supernatural. I remember when I first got saved, I witnessed to my mom. She got angry at me, but she was watching me. And she didn't like what I was saying, but she was watching me. And she pulled me aside, and she goes, you know, I was really down on your, this may be a year in to my salvation. She said, I was really afraid that you joined a cult. I didn't know what was going on in your life. And she goes, but I know it's for real. I know you really found God. And I said, how'd you know that, Mom? She said, number one, the way you treated your brothers. I always used to pick on them, put them down. Make, I loved them, but that's just how we rolled. You know, I used to call them names and filthy names when Mom wasn't around and just generally abuse them. And that all changed when I got saved. I loved my brothers, and I started treating them as though they were my equals and uh, with respect and kindness and did things for them. Uh, my youngest brother didn't have transportation. I took him places. I never charged him for gas. I didn't have a lot of money in those days. She said, I see the way you treat your brothers. And then another thing, it's almost like a sign. I was quitting my job at Rocky's Pub to get away from the alcohol world. And, uh, and my mom said, there's no jobs. Unemployment's terrible in our town. And you want to go to college. You want to save money. And you said you'd promise and give me, I don't know, it wasn't much, 25 or 30 bucks a week. And I need the money. And you're quitting your job. That's crazy. And then uh, I, the day I quit my job at Rockies, uh, at 11 o'clock, I got a phone call from Rehabilitation Center where my sister worked. And by, uh, by 3 o'clock that day, I was hired. I was making twice as much money and half as many hours, and my mama saw it. And she knew it was by faith that I quit my job at Rockies Pub. It was by faith that God stepped up and did what she thought was a miracle. I thought so, too. He, a miracle of providence, he gave me a better job where I was, I went from working 60 hours a week to working 32 hours a week. I went from making $99 a week to making like $189 a week. <laughs> that was a few years ago. <laughs> Pretty much make that per hour now. 
but that was my mom was watching and she saw what she thought was the evidence of God in my life. Same with my sister. She got in my face, told me off. I don't want to hear this. We've got enough problems around here. Stop dragging religion and everything. It's just not religion. It's Jesus. It's a relationship. It's not a religion. She didn't get it. She was angry, but she watched me. She saw my wine turn to water. She saw a whole new heart. She saw a new song. She saw, I used to be, you know, kind of negative and, you know, cynical. And she saw all that change. She saw me come go from a pessimist to an optimist as the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, faith, meekness, temperance, kindness are all in me. She saw that. She knew the real me, and she saw the evidence of God in my personality as God had was transforming my life. She also saw how uh, God uh, provided for me to save that money to go to Bible college and saw me get rid of my car and ride a bicycle for a year because I, I just didn't have the money to do school and a car. And she thought, man, Duke would never do that. But I did because I love Jesus more than these things. And she began to see the hand of God of provision in my life. And she saw the right girl come into my life and she knew I needed the perfect girl and God provided it. She was watching me and she says, we saw Jesus. Remember that verse when Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted up, I'll draw men unto myself. Of course, he was specifically talking about going to the cross. He'd go to the cross, provide our salvation by the shedding of his blood. But there's an application for that for you and I, as Jesus is lifted up in our lives, John put it this way, John the Baptist said, he must increase, I must decrease. And when that becomes a daily reality in our life, the hand of God is upon us as it was upon Moses. The hand of God is upon us as it was upon Abraham, upon Rebekah, upon Jacob. His hand is upon us as it was upon the apostles. We're representing, we're serving the same God they, in their time, and their part of uh, how God's plan was unfolding, and us in the New Testament church age, spreading the gospel uh, wherever we go, uh, to work, to school, in the marketplace, uh, spreading the gospel uh, to in church planting, as I'm a church planter, and spreading the gospel and sending missionaries all around the world. The evidence of the supernatural, our problems become our opportunity. How am I going to raise the money to go to school? <laughs> Bible college back in the day. But God did it. And I went to school. And three years later, I graduated. I'd already had a year under my belt. Three years later, I graduated from uh, Baptist Bible College with my uh, degree in theology debt-free. And my family was watching. My father had put a $1,000 uh, a wad of money in my pocket the day before I left for school and I took it out and I said, dad, I love you. I know you love me. Thank you so much, but I cannot take liquor money to go to college because I preach against liquor and drunkenness. And he was kind of offended in that, but okay, you know, just know your, your earthly daddy's got your back covered too. And if you if your heavenly father's going to take care of everything, so be it. And he watched my heavenly father, meet my needs those ensuing three years. And when I graduated debt-free, my father had seen, in his view, the hand of God upon his preacher kid. And it meant the world to him. So now we take that to the church planting experience I've had here, planting what was Temple Baptist Church for 
30 some years and it's been the church at Newtown Road for the past, um, you know, 10, 12, 13 years. Uh, it's not the name of the church that counts. It's the spirit of the church. It's the biblicity. Is that a word? Biblicity of the church. I think I just made up a new word. If you can't find it in the dictionary, you might find it in the dictionary. But people could see the hand of God, especially in those early days. We had to see it too. We show up to get in our apartment and um, we filled out all the paperwork to get our apartment and then we're interviewed by the guy, uh, the agent for the apartment complex. And he said, employment. And I wrote, God. He inquired about that. Well, I need more information about your employer. I said, great, that's what I'm all about. He said, where does he do his banking? If we have any financial questions, I said, he banks all over. He owns them all. He said, you're a wise guy, aren't you? I said, yes, sir. He that wins his souls is wise. And uh, he said, look, according to my book, I can't give you this apartment. But then he looks both ways, that little mafioso thing, and he kind of leans down a little bit, lowers his voice, looks me right in the eye, and he said, but quite frankly, I fear your boss. And he goes, can you promise that if I give you this apartment, you'll pay your rent and pay it on time. I said, yes, sir. I said, by faith. I said, God got me through Bible college. By faith, I never missed a payment. I got through debt-free, and I was worshiping the same God now that I was back then. God will provide my needs. And oh, my goodness, story after story. I'd go in every month to pay my rent. I liked, instead of just sending it, I'd take it in because I wanted to see him eye to eye. He said, okay, what's your story this time? <laughs> I said, well, one time I was, it was an hour before this was due. I didn't have the money. It was $90 short. At 11.05 a.m., the mailman came with a check for $90, the exact amount of money I needed to make up for my deficit. I said, here's my uh, months rent in, in full right on time. And he used to love to hear, he called them God stories. What's your God story this month, preacher? What's your God story this month? And he loved to hear it. We got a little handful of people. We mustered up pretty quickly, just knocking on doors, meeting people, talking to people in the neighborhood. And they started to kind of attend. And, you know, we just meet in the basement of the bank, which was a miracle in New York. Nothing is free. Taxes are off the charts. We went out looking for a place to meet. My wife had had a baby shower in a bank community room in Ohio. Joellen said, let's see if there's any banks in Clifton Park. We drove up. Main crossroads of our town, Route 9 and 146. Guess what we found? A bank, the National Commercial Bank, Key Bank today. We went in. The bank was closed, but the lobby was open. There were up, there were offices upstairs with attorneys, and there was a stairwell down. We went down the steps. Looked like a community room to me. We got down on our knees and prayed. Called the bank the next day. Actually visited the bank the next day. Met a lady named Shirley Johnson. Said, we're starting a church. It looks like you have a community room downstairs. Could we rent it? We had no money. I don't know how we'd have paid for that. And she said, well, you Yes, you can you can you can uh, use it for seven weeks, and guess what the price was? Zero. <laughs> God gave us place to meet for seven weeks. Well, on the eighth week, we just went back and prayed for the key, and they gave us the key, and we wound up meeting there for free for three years, and it was beautiful. Our little group of people, about 15, 20 people the first month, they heard the God stories. They began to watch the God story as God was supernaturally taking care of Joellen and I. 
you know, just story after story of God's provision. And they're thinking, man, why would he come here? His wife is pregnant. And I thought, well, so was Mary when she went to Bethlehem. And man, you're too young to be a pastor. Well, the Bible says, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example. And so every one of our problems of provision, a place to meet, cha-ching, God did a miracle. Uh, God to provide our um, insurance. I didn't have insurance, and so we're having a baby. And I'd gotten a job at uh, driving school bus at South Colony Schools, and uh, right at the last moment, my insurance kicked in October 1st. Leah was born October 8th. It was amazing. And um, <laughs> I remember that we were going to have to pay uh, a balance of about $200 that the insurance would not pay, and would that be a problem? I said, no problem. I was in the zone. My wife's thinking, that'll be a huge problem. We're going to come up with 200 extra bucks. But um, so I got paid for my school bus garage job. I had $201. I put put $181 in my pocket and had a $20 tie that was going to give $20 to the Lord in the offering on Sunday. So I go into the hospital with $181 in my pocket. Many of you know the story. When they figured up the bill, what we owed, guess what it was? $181 even. Ha, 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 ha. God did a miracle. We were so thrilled. We got my wife home from the hospital. We got our baby home with the, from the hospital. But the problem was I'm broke. <laughs> I got no money. I got no food. I'd been eating apples and uh, oatmeal that week while Joel was in the hospital. Baby Leah had club feet and had to keep her a couple extra, extra days and cast her and all that kind of stuff. It was kind of scary. But the Lord was with us, and so now we got the baby home. We're broke. <laughs> the mailman came again with a check from Joel's home church for five hundred dollars. It was so amazing. They and uh, we went out and got lots of groceries, filled up my tank with gas, and I could just go on and on and on with God's stories. And I've been telling these stories forever. And uh, I put them on podcast because I don't want them to die with me. And our people were watching. What did they see? They saw the evidence of God on this young preacher and Joellen, our willingness to trust him for everything. And they saw his faithful hand of provision over and over and over again. First, it was him taking care of us. And then it began to be him taking care of the church. We were trying to get out of the bank, get into our own place. It's a new community. There's no old buildings to to buy and to renovate, no old church buildings. We had to buy land and build from scratch. And, you know, prices of property were just off the charts. We had $5,500 <laughs> and two acres here, 175, five acres there, half a million, 10 acres, you know, 900,000. And we got $5,500. And some of you know the story, but a guy found us, subdivided a farm, uh, just an acre and a half on the edge of the farm. It was listed about 13,000, no water, no power, uh, no septic, um, no, no electricity. And I offered him $7,500. It was, it was listed at 13,000, just a little building lot. And he said, no, he had a counter offer for me, 5,000. He reduced my offer by $2,500. We paid cash and had our land and a parade of miracles began to unfold on our little congregation, our little group of people, 40 people when we bought the land, 75 people when we moved into the building regularly. We actually had 168 the first day we moved in, and about 75 were regular faithful people. But it was only about um, two years into that building 
we, we were running 75 to 80, and we felt led to help birth a church up in Johnsonville, New York. So we broke away 28 people from our 75 or 80, and uh, our treasurer said, man, we, uh, how can we send all these people away and, and think that we're going to pay our bills? I said, God, there's a law that governs the universe. Give and it'll be given unto you. And by faith, he's, you know, he's like, okay. And he was watching. Everybody was watching. And so we broke away 28 people when we're only running about 80. And two months later, we were running 100 people, and our offerings had nearly doubled. <laughs> you see, God has his hand on people today, just like he had on Moses. His problem was his opportunity. His problem is what manifested the hand of God upon him, which caused the buy-in by the Jewish people, which caused the buy-in for Abraham's servant when he presents this providential story to Rebekah's family. They said, it's a done deal. This is a no-brainer. This is the hand of God. And that's what was happening in my life. My family was watching God change my life. And they resisted me, and they weren't happy about it, but they saw his hand, and one by one, mom came to Jesus, my sister came to Jesus, both my brothers came to Jesus, and finally, after 22 years of prayer, my dad came to Jesus. Got to baptize my brother Doug, my dad, and my mom uh, uh, over the course of time. Same, pro- same uh, program when we launched the church. We didn't have support, but we had a God. The Bible says, Our Heavenly Father who seeth in secret will reward you openly, and that's how God rolls. When you learn that, you won't be so uh, frightened by your problems. You won't be controlled by your problems. You just learn to give your problems to the Lord. You listen for his instructions. You just plan on doing the right next thing, no matter what it looks like. I took that $20 tithe out of my my offering, (laughs) went up to the hospital. I knew I was going to be short, but I didn't get this meal and I didn't get that service and it came out perfect. God does math. He knew I needed $181. He gave me $181. And on and on it goes. I could tell story after story after story, but I think you get the point. Your problems, when you give them to God, they become his problems and they become your greatest opportunities. People are watching you. People are watching how you and I handle adversity. They're watching us how we handle people who treat us bad. Do we turn the other cheek? Do we stay away from revenge? Do we stop murmuring and complaining? People are watching. Boy, what an opportunity to show people Jesus. And so why complain about the problem? Rejoice in the opportunity. you got a chance to grow in grace. Take hold of responsibility. The reward is worth the suffering. There's glory some sweet day. Praise God for the problems in our way. Give your problems to God. Surrender to him. Be obedient to him and watch his mighty hand. Turn your sorrow into joy. Turn your ashes into beauty. Turn your problems into opportunities. People are watching. Will they see Jesus high and lifted up in our lives? When they do, you will be so happy. You will have brought glory to the worthy Son of God. So that's it for today. Hope it was a blessing. 
but was a challenge. Get your problems in the hands of God. Listen to him. Fully surrender. Tell him not my will, thy be done. Tell him he must increase. I must decrease. Just serve him with all of your heart. Radical obedience to the Son of God. You, I guarantee, you will love the results. Hey, God bless. Appreciate it if you'd like. Uh, subscribe and share uh, these podcasts with your friends. Help my, uh, my podcast numbers to grow and get the gospel out to this world. Love you. Bye-bye for now.